0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District.
1: I have the honor, along with our one and only Mandy Kirby, to speak to you tonight. So please give a warm welcome to Mandy Kirby!
0: Enjoy. That made me feel good. Thanks, guys.
1: <laughs> so, Mandy and I are going to do a little Q and A tonight, and we're inviting you guys to come and listen in.
0: But before we get started, Mandy, who who are you? Who who are you? Well, great question. Um, so no, uh, uh, I am Miranda Kirby. That's my full name. Um, I hail from Spokane, Washington, so five of nine, woo! Um, I'm a senior majoring in medical anthropology. Super cool. Um, if you have any questions about it, come ask me. Um, but yeah, I'm also a student intern in senior year, going strong. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so Mandy is one of our student interns this year, which is awesome.
1: And this, if you weren't here last week and this is your first time back from break or your first time at all, we're doing something fun this spring quarter where we've actually invited our student interns to come alongside of us in the sermon series for this quarter. And last week, third started us off with the student interns of Emily and Katie who dove in looking at Abraham and Sarah and Mandy this week gets to be paired with me as we go through and look at the story of Joseph tonight. So um, before we do that, we're just going to pray for the night because we're just feeling it real quick. All right. (laughs) <laughs> dear holy father god thank you that you're with us that your presence is here god um and i just ask that you provide your supernatural peace tonight god and that you would use our mouths to uh be your vessel to speak uh, your words tonight lord and so i just pray that you remove any distractions that we have god and that you would give us clarity god and that you would be glorified tonight in your name we pray amen, amen. awesome all right so mandy start us off. How did this process start for you? Um, how did it begin? Tell me about about it all.
0: Yeah, so um, it started, I guess, like a month and a half-ish ago when I was given uh, Joseph's story to be the one to talk about and I instantly was like, okay, great. Like, every other 90s kid grew up with that movie, that DreamWorks film, that, like, right there. You know, like, I mean, I, I mean, like, yeah, that's, it's a great movie. Um I grew up with that movie, kind of was like, called it a done deal, like, watching that. I was like, all right, I know the story of Joseph. Um, and then I was like, how do you know, like, talk about Joseph in front of the end? And I was like, I am not excited about this. Why am I not excited? So... I just prayed to god like please change my heart in this situation like i need to be motivated and excited to learn more about joseph and so actually that night it's really cool story um i had this dream that i'm just like walking happy camper no destination when all of a sudden this like beautiful tall man steps out in front of me (laughs) grabs my hand and like starts like shaking it like really quickly and like really firmly and he was like hi my name's joseph and we're gonna get to know each other really well you know, so I wake up, and I was just like, oh my gosh, he's so beautiful. Like, I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm uh, blushing. But, like, but I, and then it, like, dawned on me that, like, Joseph just visited yes. me in a dream. <laughs> he's really attractive, you guys. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm, like, so... Super jazzed about this now. Uh, like, I'm getting my Bible, so I like crack open the Bible, Genesis 39 through 50. Go read it; it'll change your lives. Anyways, um, so I'm like reading through it, and within the first couple of passages, it says Joseph was described as a handsome and well-built man, and I was like, I already know that, so, <laughs> so it was great. Um, but yeah, so. Um, but, you know, like I got friend-zoned, because he's like, we're going to get to know each other really well. And I was like, all right, friend-zoned. Um, it's okay, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, so I'm just going to be coming from this, I think, as, like, the perspective of a friend. So That's awesome. With hopes of more. <laughs> 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 oh, my
1: goodness, awesome. <laughs> um, well, I just got to point out, like, I love that the word so intentional with you that he would... A, give you a dream where basically what he's sh- sharing with you is that there's so much more to the Bible. Like he yeah. would use a situation like that to get you excited and to know there's so much to learn about Joseph. Like God's so real like that. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so like Manny said, we're going to go about this Q&A from her perspective of feeling like she's become a friend of Joseph's over this last month. So tell us, before we dig in deep, what would you say would be the overarching theme that you've
0: noticed about him? Okay, a little backstory. So Joseph is 17 when he gets two very distinct dreams from God. Um, Which, in this moment, he's like, what does this mean? He's like wondering a lot about these two dreams and doesn't really understand them. He has a lot of questions for God. Um, And just kind of like, as we have the privilege of being able to go through his story tonight... We see that um, we see how they like they play out, which is really cool. We see how God had His hand in all of those situations that He encountered throughout His life, um, and it was just awesome to be able to witness that. Like even though Joseph witnessed or like went through some really intense trials, really hard times, a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, like you know all the yucky stuff, um, God still showed him favor because he remained faithful. That was, like, really cool. That's awesome. So tell us... Okay, let's dig in more. Like, who is Joseph?
1: And tell us more about these two dreams that God gave to him.
0: Um, Well, aside from being really attractive, um, he uh, has ten older brothers okay, you guys, I have three sisters and that is a lot to maintain. He has 10 older brothers. No, it's okay, Missy. It's fine. My sister's here. Um, one of them, but that's just like crazy. He has 10 older brothers to keep track of. So let's just keep that in mind. He's got a lot going on. Um, but he is the son of Jacob and he was born to Jacob in his old age. So he's kind of like this miracle child, you know, like he's, Different, He's more favored, more adored, and all these things. And so his father actually gives him this, like, really dope coat. Um, and, like, if you can see right there, that's from the movie. <laughs> um, it's got, like, a nice sun and birds and, you know, all that fun stuff. And it's, like, ombre, and it's got, like, gold on it. It's just, like, really sweet. You know, I kind of want one of those, too. Maybe one day. But um, anyway, so, yeah, his father gives him this coat as a symbolism symbolism of his favoritism. And his brothers are instantly super jealous. They they hate him for it. They hate the way that their father views him, and they're envious. They want their father to be the exact same way with them as he is with Joseph. Um, and so to make situations better with his brothers, um, he gets his first dream from God. And in Genesis 37, 7, um, this is Joseph describing his dream. He says, "We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright. Well, your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it." So his brothers are really mad. Um, they think they interpret this as Joseph rising above them and the, him being better than them, and they just they hate him all the more. Um, to fuel the fire, he gets another uh, dream from God, which is cool. It's really cool, but like. This time, um, the moon and the sun, symbolizing his parents, and then the eleven stars, symbolizing his brothers, all bow before him. So when Joseph tells this um, dream to his family, they all rebuke him, including his father. They're all like, "Do you really think that you're going to reign above us? Do you really think that you are better?" I mean, Joseph is like the youngest at this point, and so like for him to be like having these dreams that he's going to be like ruling them is just. Not cool. Um, so, yeah, um, but in the moment, like Joseph didn't know exactly what these dreams meant, but it's just really cool because as we continue to go through the story, we learn more about his character and how, like, God um, was able to give Joseph these dreams and how they play out and the importance they had. So, tell us more about his angry bros. Like, what
1: did they do in response to their jealousy towards him? You know, Tell, tell us, um, what do they do in response to that, Well, into the dreams?
0: they hate him. I mean, it's pretty evident. They hate him. They are jealous of him. They don't like him at all. They kind of cast him aside. So um, it's one day, um, they're out in this remote location, and they see Joseph approaching. And they're just so filled with hatred when they see him that they just throw him into this pit. They just to get rid of him. They throw him into this pit, and then they leave to go eat and discuss what they're going to do with him. And they actually plot to murder him, um, but then quickly realize that they would make absolutely no profit from murdering their brothers. So they're like, all right, let's sell him into slavery. But while they're still gone, the midnight traders discover Joseph in the pit. So they pull him out of this pit, and then they sell him to the Ishmaelites. Sorry, following me. They sell him to the Ishmaelites that are on their way to Egypt. So Joseph's in Egypt now. And he's up for sale. Um, and basically Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's captains, Um, buys him and brings him into his household as a slave.
1: So his brothers got screwed. They didn't even get the money. Yeah, they made no profit. The Midianites beat him to it. Okay, so (laughs) Joseph, we shouldn't laugh. Okay, Joseph is now in Egypt and he's been sold into slavery. He's in Potiphar's household. Tell us, how can you see God's
0: um, faithfulness to Joseph in that time? Yeah. So Joseph um, is a man of God and he's very faithful to God. And Potiphar actually witnesses that in him. And so seeing that he's a man of God, he entrusts all of his belongings to Joseph, which is like a huge honor. Like he's a slave entrusted with all of his household belongings. Um, And because of his really good looks, he is hard to not miss. And so Potiphar's wife actually takes notice to him, and she pursues him, and she attempts to seduce him several times. Um, Joseph, being the good, loyal man he is, denies her every single time, and she is so embarrassed and so ashamed that she basically lies and says that he tried to take advantage of her, so he ends up getting thrown into prison. Okay, this is crazy, because considering the time and considering all of, like, considering his place and considering her status, he should have been killed, but he wasn't. He was thrown into prison. And it's just kind of like a bummer when you think about it, because like, here this, like, she thinks she's like some hotshot. She comes in, and she's like a princess, and she just has to, like, basically, like, I don't know, just destroy everything for him, because, like, things are, like, finally going good. And then she... she got shut down, so she's pretty embarrassed. Yeah, she's shut down. Yeah. She doesn't know how to handle rejection. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> so Joseph gets sent to prison. What happens in
0: prison? Tell us
1: what life was like for Joseph there.
0: So, Joseph, yeah, he's in prison. Um, and actually, Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one, it says that, While Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So, again, Joseph is recognized as a man of God and is again, entrusted with these belongings. And so, conveniently, um, two of Pharaoh's servants upset him, so he puts them in prison, because he can do that, he's Pharaoh. And they're put under Joseph's care. And they both have these dreams, and um, neither one really understands what these dreams mean. And they ended up uh, voicing them to Joseph, and Joseph interprets those dreams correctly. And the only thing that he asks of the two servants is that when... um, and they're summoned back to the palace by Pharaoh, that they tell Pharaoh about Joseph and his ability to be able to interpret dreams so that he can be freed from prison. Um, but probably just with like, the excitement and like, the hustle and bustle of like you know, not being in prison anymore, the two servants end up forgetting about Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how much longer is Joseph in prison for? He's in prison for a whole nother two years before he is remembered. And the only reason why he's recalled is because Pharaoh keeps having the same dream over and over. And none of his officials, nobody understands them. No one can interpret them. So that's when it kind of dawns on one of the servants like, oh wait, I've had a dream interpreted. So he tells Pharaoh about Joseph in prison. So Joseph is... So Pharaoh is immediately like, well, okay, bring him to me. I need him to interpret this dream. So Joseph is clean. He's presented to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream, and it's so cool. Joseph is able to interpret this dream, and he's, he's able to tell Pharaoh that God has given him a vision of what is to come to the land of Egypt, and that's seven years of prosper followed by seven years of famine. And if nothing is to... If they don't take any action, then Egypt isn't going to survive. Um... So, um, so what
1: does Joseph do? What is How does Pharaoh respond to Joseph in that moment? And maybe
0: what does Joseph do in response to that? So um, again, Joseph is recognized as this man of God, that he has God with him. And so Pharaoh um, appoints him a position in Egypt. And basically, no one is higher than Joseph other than Pharaoh. So um, Pharaoh entrusts, the entire land of Egypt to Joseph, which is just like really crazy because he went from being a slave to sir, or he went from being a, yeah a slave to a prisoner to being a ruler of Egypt. Like that's just like wow, drastic roller coaster. But um, he um, in Genesis, or so then basically Joseph comes up with but the uh, the alternate plan of like how to prevent um, Egypt from perishing during the seven years of famine, and in Genesis forty one. 35 to 36, it says um, they should collect all the food of these good years. They are the good years that are coming, and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh, to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during these seven years of famine that will come to Egypt, so that country may not be ruined by the famine. So
1: we see seven years of abundance for the land of Egypt, mm-hmm. and then we're getting into A couple years of famine. I want to know, have we heard, how is Joseph's family affected by this? Have we heard from them? What's going on with them?
0: So the famine doesn't just affect Egypt. It affects the whole surrounding area. Um, And Joseph's family is in Canaan, which is just like around Egypt. But um, (laughs) anyways, um, so Jacob... Joseph's father hears that there's grain in Egypt, so he sends his sons to go to Egypt to purchase grain so that they can survive the famine. Right away, Joseph recognizes his brothers, and is just overcome with emotion, and does not reveal himself to them. Becca and I, when we were reading through this, though, like, just pause me real quick, when we were reading through this, we were like, why do his brothers not recognize him? Like, he recognizes his brothers. And the only reason, the only way we could come up with, like, a, a solution of why they didn't... um <laughs> didn't recognize him is because he's working under pharaoh so he has to look like an egyptian which includes makeup so connor was so so nice to um let us use him as a model um so add that egyptian makeup along with 20 years boom there you go there's your disguise So that's why, that's the only plausible reason of why we come up with... Give it up for Connor! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was a really good sport about it. (laughs) Took like five makeup wipes to get that all off. That's awesome. Uh, um, So basically, through... uh, after like, seeing his brothers, he goes through this really long, intricate process of forgiveness and compassion. And um, he is able just to, like yeah, he finds this forgiveness on his family and um, he welcomes his brothers along with their families and his father to come and live with him in Egypt so he can supply all of their needs and they can just be blessed. Um, so it's just really cool to witness that whole transition of how Joseph was able to find that compassion and just truly forgive his brothers. Um, but it's crazy because um, after Joseph's father dies, which is a really hard time for him and his brothers, his brothers are instantly filled with fear because their their father's no longer there. So Joseph could technically take revenge if he wanted to. Um, but we witness that Joseph is actually like he has truly forgiven them. Like he has truly accepted what it means to forgive. Um, and in Genesis forty, all right, sorry, Genesis fifty nineteen through twenty one, um, Joseph says to his brothers, "Don't be afraid. I am in the pl- am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but good. It, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide you and your children. I will provide for you and your children." Um and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So it's just like cool to see here that Joseph was able to like yeah, find that forgiveness and that like even though like life was like crummy for him when he was sold into slavery, like he was able to witness that God used him to fulfill God's purpose. And that was saving Egypt. So what do you think the dreams meant in the end? Yeah, so the first two dreams. Um so originally, like his brothers interpreted him at, interpreted interpreted it as him like ruling over them and rising above them and everything and we learned that that wasn't what it was about at all. it was about his brothers actually willingly bowing down before him because out of love and out of adoration and for this ability that we had to interpret these dreams from God and save all, all of Egypt and to save his family. And so it's just amazing that we we witness his purpose, that, that God had this purpose to save not only Egypt and all these people, but to save Joseph's family.
1: Hmm. So you think it's a response out of love, yeah. out of adoration for what he did to them. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's awesome. So... Before you head out, Mandy, what does the story of Joseph mean to you? Like, share your final remarks, your final
0: observations. What's impacted you? There are so many things. Um, that's why I highly encourage you guys to read this story. Genesis 39 through 50. Good. Um, but anyways, there's... there's like, oh, wow. Um, so Joseph is 17 when he's sold into slavery. He's 28 when he deciphers the two dreams of the prisoners. He's then 30 when he's appointed a position in Egypt. And then he's roughly 40 when he finds compassion on his brothers. Do the math. That's like 23 years of like God fulfilling his purpose through Joseph. As a college student, I was like, wow, I need to give myself grace because like, I think that I like put these pressures on myself to figure life out right away. Like Everyone's figuring it out around me. I should figure it out too. And I'm realizing that like, it could take 25 plus years for God to fulfill his purpose through me. And that's okay. And God is so freely giving of that grace. And it's amazing. And it's a huge relief when you accept it. And I'm still in the process, but that's okay. We're working on it. Um, and just another thing, like along with like uh, Joseph's story and my own personal story, Joseph experienced a lot of fear. He was... A prisoner. He was a slave. He went through the hardest things. Like he was hated by his family. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine being hated by my family. And he just—he had all of these things stacked against him. And he was so fearful and so scared. And we learn in his story that God's love casts out fear. Like there's no fear when God is just all loving, and it's amazing. It's beautiful. And we are so worthy of the. We are just worthy. Of fulfilling God's purpose. Joseph was willing to fulfill, willing to fulfill, willing of, wow, sorry. Joseph is worthy of fulfilling God's love as a slave, as a prisoner, as someone in position in Egypt, and as a son and a brother. And so, I mean, I'm gonna say that again, guys you are worthy of fulfilling God's purpose. And God loves you so much, and his love, and again, his love casts out fear, and it's amazing. And be fearless, have courage, be bold, go out there, and just like, and take Joseph's story as an example that if you're faithful and that you love God, he's going to do drastic things in your life, and it's amazing, and you're going to have a dope story just like Joseph. So, (laughs) I mean, I hope you don't go through all the things that he did, but um, yeah, it's it's beautiful, and I love it, and he's great husband material, so... (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Let's give it up for Mandy. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Well, um, Mandy has given us a lot to think about. (laughs) Hold on, transition. Just going to acknowledge it. (laughs) Um, Mandy has given us a lot to think about, um, a lot to process of what she's gone through and what she's learned of Joseph and how she's encountered Joseph. Um, but I would love to continue on our evening and share some of the things that I've thought through as I've considered Joseph and what he, um, and how the story, I guess, has spoken to me. So, the first thing as I've studied Joseph and what stood out to me among most of everything was just that the Lord's favor was over his life. The Lord's favor was over his life. Before Joseph did anything to earn it, before he was even born, the Lord's favor was on his life so that he would be born. The story it starts off in the beginning, and we mentioned that he was a miracle child, that he was born to his father in his old age. So essentially, no one thought he could even be born because it was, it was impossible, it was, imp- it was impractical. But because of the Lord's favor, he allowed Joseph to be born. And as he grew up, His father was so aware of how special that he was, and he was so favored by him. And we see that through the coat or the robe that he put on him, um, but that does set him apart from the rest of his siblings. And then we see that God continues to show favor on him when he deposits these two dreams from him into his life. In the beginning, he didn't know what they meant, but they ultimately revealed his purpose for his life. The Lord knew at age 17 that he had big plans for Joseph. But in one day, Joseph, being someone that was praised and had everything together, was stripped of everything that he had. Well, I guess almost everything that he had. He was thrown into the pit. We see that his life would never look the same after that moment when his brothers decided to disown him. But what I want you to hear and recognize tonight that the only thing that couldn't be stripped from him was the Lord's favor on his life. The Lord's favor on his life could not be taken away from Joseph. He might have been separated from his family, from his father, from his life back in Canaan. But his identity was a beloved child of God. And the Lord's favor followed him on his journey onward. Now there's a lot of accounts in his story where the Lord gives us very specific insight to him addressing that his favor was upon him. And the first was when he, or one of the first was when he was in slavery. So when Joseph was sold into slavery to Potiphar, the scripture reads in Genesis 39, 2 through 5, that the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And I love that line, because the Lord was with Joseph, his favor followed him and blessed him in everything that he did in Potiphar's household. And I want us to recognize that favor in this story is tied to the Lord's presence being with us. We see this come up again as Joseph was blindsided by Potiphar's wife and as she lied about his actions and that sent him to prison. And we're going to look at the next um, example as he's... In prison, in Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one through 23, that reads, The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So again, the Lord was with Joseph and his favor followed him and blessed him in everything that he did in prison. And there's more account of the Lord's favor over Joseph's life as he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and as, beca- or as he becomes his right-hand man, in a sense, and as they go through Egypt's seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. But with every shockwave and obstacle that came at Joseph... er, Mandy mentioned that he must have experienced a lot of fear in those moments. But I would also acknowledge that it put him in the place where the kind of heart that he had said, where else can I go but God? Where else can I go but God? And the good news is that God's presence was right there with Joseph along with the Lord's favor, following him and all that he endured because, again, as Manny said, nothing could stop God from fulfilling his purpose through Joseph to save his family and to save the nation of Egypt from famine. So what does this mean for us tonight? What does this mean? I believe it means that we ought to acknowledge that the favor of the Lord covers all of us. Because the presence of God is always with us. It never leaves us. God loved us so much, so much, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to serve as the atonement for our sins, so that we could be back in perfect relationship with him. And Jesus told us before he died that he was sending someone better than him, And after he died, the Holy Spirit was sent to come and live and dwell on the inside of us. So when we invite the Lord into our heart and we accept Jesus as our Savior, we've invited the presence of God, the powerful presence of God, to live on the inside of us. And it never leaves us. It is only ever with us. The cross changed everything for us. Everything for us. So if the Lord lives in us, he's always with us. So his favor, just like Joseph, is always with us. The Lord's favor is our reality. And that's something that I want you guys to hear tonight, that God's nature extends favor towards us. And there is nothing you can do to remove that favor from being on your life, because he loves you. Paul speaks all over the New Testament regarding the, or regarding our spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. God sees us all as his adopted sons and his adopted daughters, and his love for his children is soaked in favor. I was talking to Leandra yesterday. She doesn't know how to say this. But um, she said, I was weird talking to her about the Lord's favor as she thinks about it. She said, I think about it as actually being the Lord's favorite. me think about the Lord's favor all my life. I think that I'm his favorite. And that God can see us as his favorites. All of us are his favorites because he has the capacity and the love to do that. And I love that. And just like Joseph, his, or just like the favor was on Joseph's life, it's on your life. Because, and Joseph didn't do anything to earn the Lord's favor. And we don't have to do anything to, learn the, or to earn the Lord's favor. I want us to all close our eyes right now I'll tell you when to open them soon. But I want you to imagine that the Lord is walking towards you right now. And through a megaphone, he's speaking these words directly to your heart. You are my favorite child whom I love. There is nothing you can do that would make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you any less. I love you because I love you because I love you, because I love you, because I love you, because I love you, because I love you. And I won't love you any better when you become better. And I won't love you any better if you never become better, if you don't want to change, or even if you have no plans to walk with me. I still love you 100%, exactly as you are right now, because that's the way that I am. And I don't know how to be any different. My nature is to release my favor over you and to radically love on you. I want you to know a love so radical, it'll blow all of your paradigms of what you think love is. I want you to know a love that is so outrageous because I am he who loves you outrageously. I chose you. I've sought you out and I've been fighting for your heart so that you would live as one who is outrageously loved. I love all of you, all of the time. This is who I am and who I will always be. My heart is full towards you and you are never without my presence. I I just can't keep myself away from my beloved children. You will always be my beloved, so be loved. You guys can open your eyes. I feel like tonight, the Lord wants to challenge those who are unconvinced that His favor is over your life or that He loves you at all. The Lord wants to challenge your belief. He wants to provoke your heart. He wants to stimulate your thinking and give you the ability to receive His love and fullness tonight. He loves you too much to continue to go on through life without knowing this to be the foundation that you can rest in. I feel like the Lord is saying, I challenge you specifically in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, to open up your heart to me. For you will receive more of my love than you've ever experienced before. I dare you, says the Lord, to open your heart to give me your heart. Give me whatever obstacles you're facing and believe that I can use it for good and that you could trust me with your purpose because your purpose will come to fruition. If I can do it for Joseph, how much more do I want to do it for you? I know that the Lord loves you. Every single one of you that are here tonight. But we often doubt, we listen to fear, We listen to lies, but we don't trust that his love covers us, that his favor covers us. I walk around campus a lot, and I get the incredible privilege to spend a lot of time with you guys. Um, But my heart breaks, because often I spend time in conversation, hearing stories, um, that really have conversations with you guys that... What I hear is that your measure of hope is often defined by you just getting by. I hear a lot of what sounds like survival dreams, if you could call it that. Um, I hear some of you share things like, well, I'm just learning how to manage my anxiety to make it so that it's bearable, so it's not too overwhelming. Um, or I'm learning how to cope with, re- with rejection because I only know rejection and people don't want to get to know me. Um, Or I hear a lot about loneliness, that I might be in this room full of people, but no one really, I feel so alone because no one actually knows who I am. And that's just kind of how life has been. And I just know that that's how it will be for me. Friends, we and you are not meant for survival dreams. We're so not meant for that. We have a hope to cling to. We have a father whose perfect love casts out all fear. When we're faced with opposition, I believe we got to choose our default position of being, I'm a much-loved child of God. And what that means is when push comes to shove and the enemy is up against you, your natural instinct becomes, I know favor is on my life. I know the Lord's presence is with me and I am soaked in his love. I can rest in knowing I'm a much-loved child of God. What, was that, what if that was our natural thought life to have in response to anything that came our way? Because I know that foundation cannot be shaken. It will not be shaken. And like Joseph, God sometimes in his wisdom may not remove us from our prisons, remove us from our times of what feels like slavery. But he always joins us in it. We're never without him. And he teaches us how to fight from a foundation of favor where, again, his perfect love casts out all fear. I can imagine the road for Joseph wasn't very easy. And God doesn't promise us that our life will be easy. But only you can choose who you're going to be in that moment, how you're going to respond. The next thing I want to invite us all to look at is Joseph's interaction with his brother a little bit more in depth. So the story of Joseph comes to a close with his final trial, I'll consider it a trial, of compassion on his brothers. Um, For picking back up in Genesis 45, 1 through 5, it reads, and I want you guys to pay careful attention to the details of this. So then Joseph could not control himself or before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent or send me before you to preserve your life. Joseph continues on to tell his brothers that it was really, he could see that it was all in God's plan to send him to Egypt so that he could keep many alive on earth during the famine through his ability to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And he ends his conversation with his brothers, or with begging his brothers um, to come with their children and their extended family to move to the land of Goshen, where or which was near where Joseph was living um, in Pharaoh's palace, so that he could provide everything that they needed during that time. How do I say this? This conversation is countercultural to the norm. This should have never been something that was expected. And I I would argue that it's the same way now in 2016. I want to dig into exactly how Joseph reacted. First, we see the first thing that Joseph does is that he clears the room so nobody would know about his brother's sin. He sends all the Egyptians out so that he can reveal himself alone so that no one would learn what they did because he didn't want them to have to feel shame about what they did. He protected people from hearing it. And next, he asks his brothers to come near to him. He says, please, come near to me. He draws them in close instead of holding them out at a distance from himself because of what they did to him. And finally, he reveals himself, but he chooses not to speak against his brothers regarding what they did. And instead, he releases the blessing that Pharaoh has given him the opportunity opportunity to do. Because Joseph wants to make sure that his family is blessed, that his family is cherished, and that they would prosper during the famine. And despite all that Joseph went through, he extended compassion from the depth of his heart, and in doing so, he's able to save his family from famine. When I imagine this moment, all that I can think about is how Joseph embodies the same compassion that God has towards us. And that's the second thing I want us to be aware of tonight, that God's nature extends compassion to us. Joseph invites us to see that our God would clear the room to keep us from experiencing the shame that we might feel if people knew about the ways that we messed up. Joseph invites us to see that God doesn't distance himself from us when we mess up, but he draws close. He draws us in close. He invites us to come in close, to be near to him, to hear his voice, what he wants to say to us. And Joseph shows us, if we do come in, he extends compassion and forgiveness, and he invites us into abundant life. God's compassion falls on all of us so that he can save his sons and his daughters living on earth from our spiritual, emotional, and physical Famine, hear God saying to you tonight that just like Joseph, I can't control my emotions when I think of being apart from you, to let your shortcomings stand between us any longer. I sent my son to the cross and the blood of Jesus cleanses you and you're restored back into perfect relationship with me. My compassion comes to set you free from yourself and to live life to the fullest. And as we come to a close tonight, know that the Lord sees you as someone that he loves. You're his beloved. If you relate to Joseph's journey that required enduring some really tough seasons, know that God's perfect love casts out fear. And just like Manny shared with us, nothing will keep the Lord from fulfilling his purpose through you for you are worthy of fulfilling God's purpose. He's anointed and drenched you with compassion and favor. And the Lord has so much more to bestow upon your life. Let's bow our heads and pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you soak those gathered tonight with your presence. Those of us who struggle to know your presence, I ask for your indulgence tonight to break in and touch us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Lord, would you come and heal and make the whole the entirety of who we are. Engage us with your heart so that our heart is fixed on yours in a deeper way. Lead us into a place of intimacy tonight with you, Lord. Release an increase of favor over everyone's lives that are here tonight, God. And would you release your radical and outrageous love over us tonight and lead this room into joy? I ask for an increase of joy and for you to take every fear and throw it out the door. I declare in this place that your perfect love would cast out every fear and this space would be filled with your supernatural peace tonight. And as we continue worshiping tonight, Lord, may we we proclaim your goodness and glorify your name together. Amen.